I'm excited about our 40 days of hearing God. We have been at this for six Sundays. This is the sixth and final Sunday sermon in our series. So midweek and Sundays, we've been hearing about pressing in and hearing God. My message today is called Faith Comes by Hearing. Amen. And so just by way of review, we started the series recognizing that God is the one who opens our ear. Our responsibility is to incline our ear. That is to turn our ear in that direction where we can hear God. And this ties in directly to a life of living the word or a life of obedience. And as we've studied through these six weeks, Sundays, Wednesdays, and with our 40-day devotional, we've learned, of course, some of what it means to press into God, to seek Him diligently, to press in and, and commune with God so that we can hear Him, because our God is a God who chooses to reveal Himself and His will to those who diligently seek Him. He does this because he has predestined us, given us a destiny. That is, before we were found by God. How many, how many think, never mind, don't raise your hand here. How many think that they actually chased God down? Not so. God chased you down. Not that we sought him. He sought us. It's totally an act of grace on God's part. But the point is this, that you have a destiny in God. Before there was time, before the foundations of the earth, before you were a thought, God predestined you to please him in certain ways. So there are good works that he has laid out for you to walk in those things, hearing God, is what enables us to do that. Hearing God is what enables us to carry out our destiny, to achieve it. So let's read about this, Romans 8, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, that is, whom he destined before they were born, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called... These he also justified, that is, made right with himself, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So we see here the entire lifespan of a believer. Before we exist, God has predestined us. He calls us, and there is a moment in time when we hear the call of God. We respond to the call of God, and he leads us, leads us in this journey because whom he called, he also justified, made right with himself those whom he called, those whom he predestined, and it is all leading to the fact that in God, you're already glorified. That is to say, brought to the end or the state of perfection, the, the fullness of glory that is in this calling from God. And so God calls, and then we 
enter into this journey. As your 40-day devotional has labeled it, it is a journey on the highway of holiness. That is, holy being set apart by God for God. We are journeying in this whole purpose. That is to say, we have come into agreement with God. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? We have come into agreement with God and are journeying with the Holy Spirit as our guide on this highway of holiness. We are achieving that predestination that God has set in motion. Amen. And so, <clears throat> our journey has a beginning and, of course, in the duration of that journey, we not, not just listened once, but keep listening. We do that lest we fall short of the grace of God. We do that lest we deceive ourselves or someone else deceives us, which brings us to the memory verse for this week. In terms of uh, the weekly memory verses, this one says, James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That is to say, we can't have heard a sermon once and be living on that sermon six years later. We need to be hearing heaven. We need to be hearing God. We need to be moving according to the Word of God, ordering our steps, ordering our life. So as our life becomes a life of doing the Word of God, we see blessings piling up. And if we do not do this, we can deceive ourselves. God says you need to ask for wisdom. Wisdom is the Greek word Sophia, which means the big picture. So if any of you lacks Sophia, wisdom, the big picture, let him ask of God. And James goes on to explain, and God will never be upset with that, but will in fact provide the wisdom, the big picture. Amen? And so if we're going to be deceived, it won't be God. He says, ask for wisdom, and if we're going to be deceived, it will be because we don't ask for wisdom. Let's use the definition for wisdom today. We'll simply refer to it as meaning knowing what to do with what you know. Knowing what to do as the correct course of action. Amen. It's like we deceive ourselves if we don't ask for wisdom, if we ignore the Word of God, or worse, if we know the Word of God but disobey the Word of God. And so, in order to please God, you must be in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You must have faith to please God. And Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As you turn into the Word of God, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, hear it 
and hear it and hear it, and more faith will, will, will be coming forth. And that enables us to live a life pleasing to God. Amen? So let's look into this just a little bit. What does it mean that faith is going to come by hearing? What indeed is this faith? Let's look at Hebrews 11 and the first three verses. <clears throat> it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. That is to say, those who went before us, the elders, have a good report from God, good and well done, faithful servant, because they lived by faith. The elders obtained a good testimony, a good report by living by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. In, in verse 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds, the ages, the epochs, uh, the, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Amen. So God's word is the substance of anything that you can see. So you, you can see the chair that you're sitting on. And you tend to think, I know where it came from. It came from a, a, um, a manufacturing plant in, you know, Washkosh, uh, whatever. Uh, it's like, no, let's go a little deeper. Where did the manufacturing plant get the metal? Oh, they got it from the mining company. Where did the mining company get the metal? They got it from the, where did they get it? Is that God made the metal, God made the cloth, God made your automobile. Amen? You may never have thought about it, but those rubber tires, where did they get that rubber? Amen? Men didn't really make your car. They put it together. God made your car. Amen? Amen. He made the rubber tree. Okay? And so... We recognize that hope is in the future. Faith is now the substance of things hoped for. Things hoped for are not here yet, but faith is. Faith is now the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things you cannot yet see. Amen? Amen. And so, if you, if you understand uh, this, then you understand just like Mary. Mary's response when Gabriel came and spoke to her was, be it done unto me according to the word that you spoke, the word of God. Mary knew it. Um, all the heroes of faith, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is about uh, uh, hero after hero after hero, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joshua, so on and so forth. Each and every one of them heard God and acted on what God said. Noah never saw rain, but he still built an ark. Hello? He acted on what God said. Mary acted on what God said. Joshua acted on what God said. They were not governed 
by their natural senses, what you can see, hear, touch, taste, smell, and so on. They say they were moved by the word of God. And this is the goal for your life and my life. This is the goal for every believer that we would not be moved by circumstances, not be moved by emotions, not be moved by what you can see or what you can hear, but that we would be moved rather by the word of God. Amen. It was Jesus who said to uh, Lazarus' sister, Martha, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And I want to underscore this thought today that you must believe before you see the glory. Seeing the glory comes after you believe. Amen? So I want to I put this in, in place. And that is <clears throat> that seeing comes before knowing. Makes perfect sense, I hope. Seeing comes before knowing. I don't, I don't know the chair until I see the chair. Seeing comes before knowing. Amen. You can tell me that there's a chair set up for me in your house, and I, I, can, I can't see the chair. One, when I come through the door of your house, you point to it, I see the chair, and now I know that there's a chair set up for me in the house. Okay? But faith is what comes before receiving, which is to say, it's like uh, God says to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham did not have a child, did not have a pregnant wife, did not have a wife who could get pregnant. Abraham had nothing to look at, nothing to see, but he believed and then he received. So scripture tells us, and we're all familiar with this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What the natural eye can perceive is not what leads us. We are directed, we walk by faith. Four times the Bible says the just those who are right with God, the just shall live by faith. It is first spoken in the book of Habakkuk. It's repeated three times in the New Testament. The most often repeated verse in the Bible, the just, those who are made right with God, shall live by faith. Amen? So think about this, please. The ten lepers were told... Go show yourselves to the priests. They did go. They believed that Jesus was right and had released their healing. They received it because that's why they had to go tell the priests, we're whole, we're healed. And they were healed as they went. Jehoshaphat won the battle because he sent praisers before the battle began. The battle was the Lord's, not his. Naaman had to dip seven times in the Jordan. He didn't dip six times and say, wow, I really feel clean. 
He had to dip seven times, just like God's word said. And he came up with the skin of a baby. His leprosy was gone. Joshua's army had never seen a wall fall down when people shouted, but they did shout because God said, this is how it works. Somebody help me here. Jesus said to the leper, stretch out your hand. His leprous hand was shot, but when he pushed his hand out, his hand was made whole. Caleb was told, the land belongs to you. He was 40 years old when he heard it. Then he had to wait 40 years because of the unbelief of the rest of the church. And with all that unbelief, dying in the wilderness and getting out of the way at the age of 85. 40 years old when he heard, this is your land. 40 years in the wilderness, five years of warfare. Caleb said, Joshua, now that you're giving out the land, give me something with giants in it. Because I'm as good today as I was then. It's like Caleb had to walk the land before he could possess the land. He had to accept his inheritance before he owned and saw that inheritance. Are you following what I'm saying? Faith is a God fact, but it is a man act. Again, faith is a God fact, but it is a man act. Until you act on God's fact, you don't see the glory of God at work. The God facts are to be realized as we become doers of the word. That is to say, with no visible evidence, we become doers of the word. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and If he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Let me explain to you this use of if in this sentence. It appears twice, and the first one says, if we ask anything according to his will. Now, according to his will means according to his word. When God says something, he says what he means, he means what he says. If it's written in the word of God, it is the will of God. Amen? So if we pray according to the word, we're praying according to his will. But this if is a conditional. And Greek has four different kinds of conditionals. We have one word in English, if. And it can mean all kinds of things. In Greek, they're much more specific. And this is that if we ask anything, this if is maybe we will, maybe we won't. Hello? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Then it says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. This is a different Greek conditional. And this is, if it be so, and it surely is. 
That is to say, and if we know, we can turn this into the English word since, and since we know. Are you with me? And so, deceit comes when we fail to ask God. If we ask God, then we know that he hears us. Not we hope he hears us. We know that he hears us, and since he hears us, and since we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The issue in Scripture is receive now, see later. Receive now, see later. Let me make the same point in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. In believing, you receive. Later, you see. You will have them, but you first receive them. Is this coming through or am I not yet getting to the, you know, hitting the nail on the head? Amen. It's like you receive now, you see later. Here's another, Matthew 8, 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Receive now, see later. When we pray, we receive by faith from God. We don't see it. We receive it, and after we receive it, then we get to see it later. Are you please following? What I'm saying is, if we're waiting for God to do something that he says he already did, we're actually in utter unbelief. If God says that he has saved you, what would you wait for? He has saved you. If God says he has healed you, what would you wait for? A bigger amen. Okay? No, because I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. We have spent 40 days pressing into God, and we want to be hearing God. And the more we hear God, the more faith we have. And the more faith we have, the more supernatural life we can see and lead. And I am challenging you because waiting for God to do what he already did is unbelief. We pray and receive. It is sometime after we have received our answer. Then we get to see those things. Amen? Amen. So, turn with me to James 1 then, 22 to 25. This is the big exhortation of the New Testament regarding doing the Word of God. It says, verse 22, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Did you get that? Deceiving yourselves. Until we are doing the Word that we heard, 
we are deceiving ourselves. Amen. 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Knowing the word of God doesn't bless you. Doing the word of God is what blesses you. Amen? He who looks, and the Greek word here does not mean glance. It means gaze steadfastly. That is to say, not a peek into the Bible just to see if there's something nice written in there, but I am looking diligently. I am gazing. I am steadfastly searching for my answer. Amen? And continues in it. That is to say, who keeps at it, such a one is made blessed or happy in the doing, in the deed itself. So we've been quoting from uh, Hebrews 11, and this is the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. Toward the end of the chapter, we note with uh, uh, relevancy that everyone in the chapter lived and died in faith, and that sets up the exhortation that follows in chapter 12. So chapter 12 begins with the word therefore, and always we want to know what's the therefore, therefore. That is, because of chapter 11, because of all these heroes of faith, then verse 1 in Hebrews 12, <clears throat> Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The admonition is throw off the burdens, throw off the weights, throw off the things that will mess up your race, that will keep you from running with endurance because you don't want to become weary and discouraged in your soul. You want to keep looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Are you with me? So back in the 70s, Maureen and I were saved, and uh, we, early on, needed uh, great help from God. We needed a miraculous God. We needed a God who supernaturally uh, puts himself in time and space on your behalf. So for starters, we had Keith, our second born, uh, was uh, one of the first great miracles that we experienced, and that was the boy was born with cystic fibrosis. Uh, he was sick uh, all of his life, two and a half years old, uh, when we were nine months old as Christians. 
Uh, he was two and a half years old. He was sick from the very day he was born right up till that time. And the light went on in my life. The light went on. And, and I, I realized what a Mickey Mouse prayer life I have. It's like this boy is going to die by the time he becomes 12. That's the prognosis for his life. Not good news. Amen. It's like, and so how do you get ready for that, to raise somebody for 12 years just to watch them die? Um, and so uh, we desperately needed a miracle, and the light went on. It's like, what a Mickey Mouse prayer life I have. I am finished with Mickey Mouse prayers. And I said, come on, Maureen. And we grabbed him and took him upstairs and slapped him on the changing table, laid hands on him, and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. So two and a half years old, and he was so sick that he, from birth until that very day, had diarrhea, unending, never without it. 30 minutes after that prayer, he had a hard bowel movement. Now, you can't just go do that. That was a God moment. God turned a light on in my life. Hello? Are you with me? I'm not telling you, do that and then watch your kid die. Uh, kind of. A, it's like, have God if you hear God. Faith cometh by hearing. Hello? Anyway, so we went out and celebrated that night and blah, blah, blah. I won't go into the details. Next great miracle we needed was Kathleen. She was our next child, and at her birth, she was, uh, 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 she had no vitality whatsoever. She was 100% flaccid, which means she was just a rag doll. She was, there was no muscle tone whatsoever in her, in her life. She lost weight every day after her birth. And I was just quoting the word of God over that little girl as I, in the name of Jesus, you know, <laughs> we give thanks to uh, God, our Father, from whom all good blessings come. And we started quoting scripture, quoting scripture. The, the fruit of the womb is a reward, not a curse. Uh, blessed is he who has his quiver full of, we just went word, 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 word. And then one morning, his little girl who lost weight every day. And by the way, the medical jacket says, you know, this child will live under institutionalized care in a vegetative state for the rest of her natural life. So the highest hope our friends offered us was get ready for the worst. The highest hope medicine offered us was get ready for the worst. The highest hope circumstances offered us was get ready for the worst. But God's word said get ready for a miracle. And you probably know, you know, you probably know Kate graduated from college with a straight-A index and is now the mother of eight. Uh, Keith, who was going to die when he was 12, became the captain of the gymnastics squad and subsequently moved to Arizona and coached Olympic athletes uh, and such. Now he builds high-rises with Dominic. Amen. So, keep looking at Jesus. You desperately need a miracle too. 
Keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. We do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing. The inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory while, while, while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. Are you getting that? Your problem is temporary. Jesus is not. Your problem is temporary and subject to change. Jesus and his word are not. They are eternal. While we look not at the things that can be seen. If all we did was look at Kate, oh no, total disaster, a vegetable. But we look to God and to his word. Amen. So glory will be worked for you as well while you look not at the things which can be seen, but at the things which cannot be seen. This is key to your miracle. Jesus and his word are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Galatians, I'm coming in for a landing here, church, so... Bear with me. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Paul is lamenting over the condition of the church in Galatia. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, literally hypnotized you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This Only, I want to learn from you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I have to insert here that in Greek, if a question is posed, if you put a tiny little dot, it's known as a particle, a tiny little marking on that last letter, it actually answers the question. So he says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And there's a little notation that means by the hearing of faith, of course. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Little particle, by the hearing of faith, of course. So, notice what he just said. God supplies the Spirit to you and God works miracles amongst you according to faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Last verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Abraham believed God and it was accounted. That's, uh, it means in the ledger. An accounting term. In the ledger, Abraham was moved from unrighteous to righteous. Amen. Because of his belief. 
And we read about that in chapter 4 of the book of Romans. It says, Abraham did not waver according to what he saw, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that God calls things that be not as though they are. So God can come to you and say, Abraham, which means father of multitudes. But God will call you this when you don't have a child. When you're married to a woman who can't have a child. When you look in the mirror and realize you're 100 years old. Too late, buddy. He did not waver at the promise of God. He was looking at God and his word not at Abraham and Sarah. And by looking at God and his word, it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was made right with God, and he inherited the promise. That is to say, he believed, he received, and ultimately, he saw. Amen? So, church in in Christ today, Today, God has made his move. It's your turn. His word makes it clear. He has saved you. So live saved. His word is very clear. He has healed you. Do not wait for God to heal you. His word says... He did receive the Word of God. And then you get to see the ramifications. While while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are unseen, God is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When? While we're not looking at the circumstances, at stuff. So my exhortation to you, think as if the word is true. Act as if the word is true. Live as if the word is true because he saved you, past tense. He healed you, past tense. And I close with this. He became poor for you, past tense. When we were saved, a school teacher with a bunch of kids, we didn't have a lot. Anyway, I'm in my, I'm in my uh, kitchen and I'm reading. I'm in the, uh, the letters to the Corinthians. And I get to, he became poor that you might become rich. And I kept reading and I paused and I thought, hmm, that's a strange statement. Let me go back and read the chapter again. So I went back and I reread that chapter again. Now I'm engrossed. I'm getting captivated by what's being said here. And I thought, all right, let's get this right. Let me back up two chapters. So I did. And I read that chapter and that chapter and the, this one. And by his stripes you were healed. And the only conclusion you can draw is this is not talking about he became poor spiritually, but he became destitute. Everything was stripped from him. He suffered poverty. So that 
you would not have to suffer poverty or lack. Anyway, I am sitting there, and this is going on. This is a process. Here's what's happening. I was hearing God. I was seeing Jesus. I was seeing the Word of God, and here it was. It's written. It's done. It's over in Christ. It's over. He did become poor so that you might become rich. I shouted. I shouted upstairs, Maureen, we're rich. Naturally, she wanted to find out how we got rich so fast. So she came, and I was telling her what God said and what God did. And I was so excited. And we were having a conversation. I said, I don't even know how to behave anymore. I've never been rich before. What do rich people do? We don't know. And we actually sat and thought on it for a while. And one of the thoughts that arrived was, rich people go out to eat in restaurants. Mind you, we didn't have, you know, a, a restaurant on every block back in the 70s. We, everybody ate at home. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Wealthy people spent money going to a restaurant. So it's like, let's go to a restaurant. That's what rich people do. And then, you know, uh, uh, selfishness check within a moment. It was like, wait a minute. I bet rich people actually take other people as guests. Who, who can we take to dinner? So we called Anthony and Teresa Aquilino. Those are, those are uh, uh, Pastor Gabrielle Huber's parents. So we called the Aquilinos, and we invited them to dinner, and we took them out because we were rich. And I want you to know that from that moment of revelation, God has so enriched our lives in every way. Constantly, we have more than enough. Without fail. So, I exhort you in closing, he did save you. He did heal you. He did become poor so that you would have a life enriched with more than enough. Think like it, act like it, live like it. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Amen.